Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Matt. Pastor Julie, thank you for introducing this. I'm very honored. I'm very excited to be sharing a message with you this morning. This is the first time I do this, and I really believe that I have a word from the Lord for us as a church today and for the year ahead. So before we get started, I want to say this. You're not here just to listen to me say a few words. You're here to listen to what the Lord has to say to us as a church. You're here to listen to what the Lord wants to do for the year in Go Church Beirut and for Lebanon. So believe with me that what you're going to hear is for you. Believe that what the Lord put in me for you is what you're going to receive and run with this year. So I'm sharing a message titled A King in a Cradle. And we talked about this and we said we wanted to do it in December because December is Christmas time. It's a time when we start leading up to the holidays and we start celebrating. And a lot of people start asking questions and seeing Merry Christmas, joy to the world. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of joy. And we want to talk about what this time really is. But before that, I just want to make sure I wish you guys a very Merry Christmas. Like we said, this is a time of celebration. This is a time to enjoy with your families. This is a time when we, we have an opportunity to wind down and really think about what this season means. We at Go Church love celebrating. And I just want to show you some examples of this. This is last year's Christmas party. So many of you see yourselves up here, and many of you will see yourselves up here next year. But basically, we love food, okay? We love having a good time. You see all these beautiful smiles up here. We have Richard on screen. He's right there. He's still smiling, thank God. And we have the kids having a great time. You know, the best thing about the kids is that they, just, they don't just have a great time at Christmas. They have a great time all year round. Right? Our kids love to have fun. And what we decided to do this year is instead of bringing the party to us at the cinema, we took the party to Jbel. And we're taking the party to Ashrafiyeh, where we have a kiosk, so that we can serve the love of God where people are going. These are some pictures of the last couple of days. You notice me with Santa. I, uh, there's a reason for that picture. It's because, you know, I'm, I might say a few things about Santa, and I don't want you to think that, you know, I have anything against celebration, against enjoying ourselves. But I will be talking about what we're celebrating, why we're celebrating it, why we're deliberate about celebrating it. So if you haven't had the chance to visit our kiosk in Jbeil, please make your way there. I promise there are tons of cookies. Tons of cookies, the best ones you could ever eat. So come by, say hi, give us a hug, smile, give a couple of kids uh, cookies. I realized that when I was giving kids cookies, I looked a bit awkward. I'm like, hey, do you want a candy? Do you want a <laughs> so I, I, left that to, I left that to my wife, Siela, and you know, Tanya, and, and Bushra, and everyone who did a great, great job at that. But the real question I want to get to with this message is, what are we actually celebrating? We talk about Merry Christmas. It's a time of joy, right? If I say Christmas or if I say holiday time during Christmas, many of us think about, 
You know, I know my wife will think about Christmas lights in London. You know, this is maybe her favorite thing in the world to see during this season. Um, I, I, I think Pastor Julie would also agree with that. You know, when I think about Christmas, I think about overeating. You know, I think about turkey. I think about those amazing Christmas log chocolate cakes. You know, it's probably me and Roy eating one of those, and then we're complaining that our stomachs hurt. But many people have different ideas about what Christmas is. And I, I want to take the time to talk about what we're actually celebrating. And before I do that, I'm going to go back to the beginning and share the gospel. Many of us have heard this word gospel. The gospel means the good news. And I'm going to share simply what the good news is. The fact is there was a problem. There was a problem when I was born and there was a problem when you were born. We're in 2022. The problem is that we were born separated from God. We were born on the earth and God was in heaven and we had no relationship with him. We had no connection with him. And that problem is because of sin. Now, I'm not only talking about our personal sin, which everyone has fallen short and everyone has sinned. But I'm talking about the sin of mankind. We, we were born in a fallen state. And the fact is, God wasn't happy with that. God wanted us, God wanted to find us a solution to come back home to him. He wanted a relationship with us. He wanted a family relationship with us. That's what he designed from day one, which is what we came short of and which is what he found the solution for us to come back into. His solution was this, that he would send his only son, part of himself. God says that Jesus was, you know, the word of God was with God and he was God. Jesus was a part of the father before he came to earth. But God sent his only son to the earth to be born as a man, to live in this world just as we live with the same frustrations, with the same difficulties, with the same fears, with the same sicknesses, with all of these things. And he lived this life completely sinless. He lived this life pure. And he lived this life perfect up until the time when he was wrongly accused. He was wrongly accused of ironically blaspheming God. He was wrongly accused of a whole bunch of things that he didn't do because of other people's jealousy and envy. And he died on a cross. And this is the story, this is the good news, is that he died on the cross and he was resurrected. Why? It's because the Bible says that he died with our sins. He took our place. So all the sin that we ever had, past, present, future, he took that on the cross with him and he was resurrected to give us new life to give us a resurrected life so that we could come back into the family of God. That's the good news. So what are we actually celebrating? We're celebrating his birth. We're celebrating the hope that the world had, the hope that we would have a savior that was materialized before our eyes. We're celebrating the fact that this king, this king of kings that we were just singing about, came to us. In the song, you remember the lyrics? It said, to a cradle in the dirt. He came to us and chose to take the, sh the form of a servant. 
to come to the earth and live as a man for us so that we could come back into the family of God. That's what we're celebrating. So I'm going to read this scripture. This is a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. And basically he prophesied this about Jesus 700 years before the birth of Jesus. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So these are all royalty terms, right? This is all royalty. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. We know from, from the book of Philippians that Paul says that Jesus chose to let all of that go. That he chose to put aside all of his power so that he can come to earth in the form of a bond servant. Okay, so this king came to us in a cradle in the dirt. This is what we're talking about today. Actually, this message is, there's a couple of parts to it which I will get to. This is the first part, that the king, the king of kings, came to serve us. There's another passage of scripture here in Matthew. So this is also the prophet Isaiah, who's prophesying about the coming of Jesus. And all this, so we're talking about the birth of Jesus, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, if there was ever good news, this is good news. God with us. God who didn't choose to sit far above the heavens and say, oh, look at all you guys, you've all sinned, you're all far from me. He chose to come to us. He chose to give up his position as king of kings and come to us as a servant just to bring us back home. This is the king who served us. Now, the main scripture of this whole month, this whole series that we're talking about, which you're going to hear time and time again if you're listening to the podcast, is this point where Jesus says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We'll get back to that, but I just wanted to share that. Now, let's look at the illustration in the Bible about service, about what Jesus actually did. So we have this picture in the Bible. Many of us may have heard this. This is the night of the Passover. This is the night before Jesus was arrested to be judged overnight illegally and crucified the next day. That night, after he administered communion and he taught us about communion, he told us that we're doing this because he's establishing a new covenant between himself and us. He then chose to wrap his waist with a towel, get on his knees in front of his disciples and start washing their feet. And we see a, a discussion between him and Peter. You know, Peter was always asking a lot of questions and always trying to understand what Jesus was doing. And basically, Peter says, you know, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing. But later you will understand. Of course, Peter being Peter said, no. 
No, you're, you're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus answered and said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now, the significance of this picture might get lost in cultural context. And back in the Old Testament, when the priests would enter the temple, which was the living, you know, the dwelling place of God, where God actually dwelled, they would need to have their feet washed by servants just to enter the temple. Now, in the New Testament, we see that Jesus is talking about, you know, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. You have no place with God unless your feet are washed. You can't come close to him. We see that he was the king who came as a servant to wash our feet, to come bring us to God. The Bible says that, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no way to the Father except through him. But he had to do it through service. He served us. He washed our feet. He made us clean so that we can come back to God. Now, I want to share the three main points of this message. And basically, this is the first point that I already shared. Point number one is that the king came to serve us. He washed our feet so that we can have a place in the family of God, so that we can be able to walk back home to God with clean feet. Point number two is that we were commanded to serve others. So in the same passage, in the same discussion, Jesus continues then in, in verse 13, in John 13, and he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. So now that I've washed you clean, now that you have a, fam a place in the family of God, now it's time for us to understand what the Lord has for us. And he commands us to do the same for others so that others can come home also and be part of the family that God intended for them to be part of. Now, this is in two parts. Number one, Jesus says that, you know, he wants us to do this for the whole world because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, but also that he commands us, one another, as family members, to serve each other. And this is the command of God. Part three of this message, I wrote here, what does this look like today? What does this command to serve each other look like today? I left it blank because we're still doing it. We're still learning how to do it. And we're going to grow in that and get better at that. I believe that this is something that the Lord wants us to look at and to grow in for this year coming. And this is what we need to understand and do. As I mentioned, the, the Lord commands us. He commands us to wash one another's feet. In the same passage of Scripture, the, the Lord actually establishes the new commandment. So you know how in the Old Testament, there's a very famous you know, set of Ten Commandments, and Jesus says, in me and in this, you will fulfill all these Ten Commandments. Now let's look at the command. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So I'm talking about service, and Jesus is talking about love. Service is a demonstration of love. Service is an action that we take when we love. Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13 the love command. He describes what love looks like. He says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. So if we're not seeking self, who are we seeking? Seeking God? Who else? You. Each other. That's who we're seeking. We're seeking each other. We're looking to serve each other. To fulfill the command of God. So this is the command of God in action, that we love and serve one another. I want to share this parable, this, this illustration which I heard actually in fourth grade. My, uh, one of my primary school teachers shared this with me. This is not Bible. This is not scripture. Okay, the things I'm going to say are purely a parable. But I think they paint an interesting picture. Ironically, this is a... Um, a parable that was first shared by a rabbi in Lithuania, of all places. And it's the parable of the long spoons. And he says, suppose that in heaven and in hell, there was the same food. Definitely there isn't, okay? But suppose there was the same food. Suppose there was the same uh, setup. And you could only eat with a one meter long spoon. Okay, the only way you could feed yourself and eat is using this one meter long spoon. This is what it would look like in hell. You guys see this picture? My favorite is that guy at the top, you know, kind of poking his eye with his, with his spoon. This guy's burning himself. They're all looking at each other. This guy can't even, you know, he's in the wrong part of the room. He's like, oh man, I wish I was in the corner. <laughs> this is a picture of what selfishness looks like love does not seek its own okay let's say you had the exact same scenario in heaven this is what it should look like in contrast what's the difference helping each other looking at each other no one's looking at themselves you notice everyone's just looking at each other this guy, that guy in the corner, he reminds me of Roy. He's just talking about the food, how good the food is. Always good comments about food. They're the same people, right? But they look very different. That's what service looks like. That's what love looks like. That we look at each other and we think, what can I do for the other person, right? We look at each other and we say, this is what God intended. This is what God intended on earth and in heaven. Now, I want to go back to that scripture which I talked about. But before I do that, I want to share some context. So this is in Mark chapter 10, verse, verses 42 to 45. We'll get there. But in context of this, there was a time when his disciples, James and John, were sitting with him. And they said, Lord, whatever we ask of you, will you do it? 
And Jesus says, what can I do for you? Pause. That's the God you serve. That's the God who we're talking about. He's not saying, how could you ask me? You know, how, how do you dare ask me for such a thing? You think I'll do anything for you? He says, what can I do for you? Okay. These guys said, listen, when, when you go to your kingdom, when you reach heaven, can you help me sit on your right and he'll sit on your left? What were they looking for? They were looking for position, for greatness, for status, right? They were saying, listen, we're Jesus's favorites. You know, there was an inner circle. There was Peter, James, and John who went with Jesus to many places that the other nine of the 12 didn't go. And they assumed that because that was the case, they were great and they deserved position in the kingdom of God. Now, the other disciples found out about this and they were furious, right? They started bickering and arguing, as you can imagine uh, people would. And Jesus kind of stops them all and teaches them, talks to them about who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, the Gentiles are the nations, right? All the different nations of the world. They lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What's Jesus doing here? He's talking about the realities of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is obviously a place in heaven, but it's also a reality that we live right now. It's a place where Jesus reigns. The kingdom is where he is king over. I know that he's king over my life. Is he king over your life? If that's the case, this is the reality in my life. The reality is that the way we see rule and greatness and authority and status in the world is not the way he sees it. The way he sees it is the one with the greatest capacity to serve is the greatest in the kingdom of God. The one with the greatest ability to love and not seek themselves is the greatest in the kingdom of God. You see, we have it all mixed up because we look at the world and we see status and we see power and we see the way governments work and we see the way sports figures act, right? And we see all of these things. We see how much they get paid, right, Matt? <laughs> we were talking about football salaries. That's another story. World Cup fever, you know. Uh, but basically, I want to I share these couple of points. See, our greatness is determined by our ability to love. And we demonstrate our love by serving. So that's who is greatest in the kingdom of God. Our spiritual maturity is determined by our love for one another. In 1 John, we see, we see him saying that God is love, right? If you don't love, you don't know God. Now, if we fulfill the command to love one another, we walk with God, we know God, and we have a relationship with him. Your faith is not a measure of your spiritual maturity. Okay? Some of the results in your life, fast or slow, are not a, a measure of your spiritual maturity. Your 
ability to love, your knowledge of who God is and He is love is the spiritual maturity that you have. You're, the opportunities you get that you meet and you say, yes, I'm going to choose to walk in love when someone hurts you or someone lets you down, that's spiritual maturity. Your ability to say, you know what, I'm not going to do what I feel like doing today. It's a nice day. I want to be at the beach, but I'd rather be here to hear the word of God. That, putting God before us, that's spiritual maturity. The, great, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one who has an ability to serve. I want to show this to you as a picture. We talk about Jesus being the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone of this building, which is called the church. And we are living stones built up as a holy house for him. Let's take a look at this picture together. Which one is the cornerstone? This one, right? In the corner. Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. Is that the highest stone in the building? Is that the most luxurious stone? No. That's the stone that's lowest in the building. That's the lowest stone in the building. But that stone carries the weight of everything else. This is a picture of the greatness in the kingdom of God. Your ability to lift others up. Your ability to serve others in love. That is a picture of spiritual maturity. That is a picture of service. That is a picture of Jesus. That's who he is. And on that cornerstone, we're built up. You see, I don't lift Jesus up. He lifts me up. You see, I don't lift my leaders up. They lift me up. So your ability to lead is your ability to carry some weight. Pick up some, some service, some love, and choose to help others. Choose to help them come into place and into position. So that brings me to the third point of the message, right? Point number one is the king came to serve us. He came in a cradle to serve us. Point number two, we were commanded to serve others. Point number three, how does this work today? Well, this slide's not going to be full. Look around you. Okay, who today was a greeter at the door? Can you stand up? They serve you the love of God. They're demonstrating the welcoming heart that God has for us to come back home. Right? Who here... As part of the worship team. It's pretty obvious they were standing right here. These guys are leading you in a time when you can experience the love of God. When you can experience what the Lord has for you, you can experience the presence of God. Now in a minute, we're going to have a prayer team down here as well. They're here to serve you. They're here to help you. <laughs> there, there are so many other teams. I was going to say, go kids. Stand up. I'd be worried, though, because your kids are there unsupervised. No, all, all the Go Kids helpers, all the people serving in Go Kids are with your kids, taking care of them, having a great time with them. 
who else do I want to talk about? Setup, facilities. Antoine, can you stand up? What time did you get in today? Late? Do you know why he came in late? Because he's good at his job now. He's really good at this. It takes him uh, not long to set this up. But you wouldn't be able to hear me if he wasn't here. Thanks, Antoine. You see, there are so many people who are part of this, who are here to prepare something for you to receive something. I'm not standing here because I'm amazing. I'm standing here because I have a word of, from God for you today. And I'm standing here because I'm serving you the word of God. It's called ministering. It's called service. Speaking of this word, ministry, what is ministry? Now, a lot of us, when we think of the word ministry, we think, oh, government official, oh, be careful, you know, this guy's position of status, position of power. Unfortunately, even when a lot of us think about ministry in a religious context, people feel the same way. You know, there are some people who are more visible than others. There are some preachers, there are some prophets, some evangelists who are more visible than others. And the real ones never point to themselves, okay? The idea of ministry, this, this word actually comes from a Latin word, word called ministerium. And this Latin word was first used actually in a religious context, actually in a, in a spiritual context, which refers to a designated position of service. So let me say it again. Ministry, or to be a minister, is to be someone who is in a designated position of service. Who designates that position? The Lord. No one else. He designates that position. So if you are a New Testament believer, if you believe in the Lord Jesus and you're born again, you are in ministry. You have a position in ministry. You have a designated position of service. Now, it's not, you know, I'm standing here today and I'm serving as part of our gathering. But when I leave here and I go home, I'm still in ministry. You know, I'm still married. I'm still with my wife. And, you know, this is a, a relationship that the Lord put together. And I believe that I'm supposed to be in it. When I come home and I talk to my family and I, I treat them a certain way, that's ministry. Because I know that the Lord has trusted me with these relationships. When I go to work, that's ministry. Because I'm in a designated position of service where the light of the gospel can shine. And the results of God at my work can shine. So every single person here is in a designated position of service. Whether you're in position or not is another story. And you need to ask yourself that question. Am I in that designated position of service that the Lord wants for me? And I don't only mean at church. I don't only mean in gatherings or groups. I mean at home. I mean in your relationships. I mean at work. Are you in your designated position of service? So let's talk about church. What then is church? I think this is one of the most important things that I wanted to talk about. And I kind of saved it for one of the last points. And this is what I believe I wanted to share. 
we as a church have gotten really good at saying, church is not a stone building. Church is a group of people. Okay, I agree with that. Church is the assembly of God, right? So you can say it's a group of people. But a group of people and a stone building have something in common. I can choose to not go to a stone building, and I can choose to not go to a group of people who are gathering. But let's go a step further. Church is my place. That's why Go Church, we say, Go Church is your place to love, grow, and go. Now, when it's my place, it becomes my responsibility. When it's my place, it means I fit here. It means this is where I'm supposed to be. It doesn't mean I can choose to come or not come to a grow group. You know, we can, we can sit there day and night and say, oh, great, excellent. You know, we're not a stone building, we're a group of people. Okay, I can still not go to this group of people. But when it's my place, the only person I'm dodging is the Lord. The only responsibility I'm missing is the responsibility I have in this situation. So let's move further. Let's, this year, let's go ahead and not say go church or the church is a, is a group of people. Let's say a specific church or a specific place in the body of Christ is my place that the Lord put me in. My place means my responsibility. Now, don't forget what we talked about earlier. My responsibility is to serve others, is to love others. That's what we're talking about. That's why we do what we do. We do this and we do this big gathering today as a responsibility of love towards each other because we want everyone to hear the word of God. We want everyone to hear the gospel. We want everyone to receive the love of Jesus. And if, if I could say one thing, I wish for you in this room that you would experience the love of God the way I get to experience it every day. Now, I just want to talk about the greatest examples in my life of people who have served me. You know, I, I could think of many great figures in history, but the fact is, do you remember the picture of the building? Let's go back there. Sorry, there we go. The fact is, when you're in a building and you're in a position or a place in a, in a building, you don't look at the other side to say who's supporting you. You talk about who's around you, right? And the fact is there are people around me supporting me. The greatest example of ministry of, of, or a, how do I say this correctly? Because I don't want to go back on my words. The greatest example of someone who supported me in Go Church to come into my place I would say our pastors, Matt and Julie Beamer, who are not here today. But they have been a support. So just like there's a building, you know, the, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the lowest point. And when you sit on a rock, it supports you. Just the same way they've supported me. They've never put their weight on me. And this is what a good leader will do. He will never put his weight on you. He will carry you or she will carry you to a place that you're supposed to be in. And that's what I can say that they've done for me, that they've lifted me up into a place where I'm supposed to be. I remember when COVID hit the first time, 
and it was all very new to everyone and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do and let's do these online broadcasts. I remember that even before anyone did a message on the online broadcast, Pastor Matt Beamer looked at me and he said, listen, I have on my heart that, you know, why don't you do the first one? See, he's obedient to the Lord. And as a leader, he helped me stand on his shoulders to get into my position. Are you doing the same for people around you? I could say the same thing of Pastors Matt and Julie Hadabal. Who here knows Pastors Matt and Julie Hadabal? Can you lift up your hands? Okay. Who here knows how busy Pastor Matt always is? Can you lift up your hands? Okay, great. He's never been too busy for me. When I've needed him in my life, at times when like it's been the most difficult, okay? Just because I'm standing here, I'm smiling or I'm trying to smile, you know, these are a lot of tough muscles to exercise, but it doesn't mean we don't all go through difficulties. Every single person in this room goes through difficulties. He's never been too busy for me. He's never been too, you know, couldn't be bothered to talk to you. He's always served me in this personal area of my life. I remember when he was on a tour in the U.S., going between meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, and I called him up. I'm like, hey, I'm having trouble. I'm having some personal trouble. I want to talk about it. He left everything to talk to me. That service. His capacity to serve me is what makes him great. Think about that. Now, I don't only have people supporting me from under. I have people supporting me next to me. Siela, my wife, and I are married, which means she doesn't support me. She's part of the same block as me, okay? She makes sure I don't crack. <laughs> I, can, I can say the same thing about Roy and Melissa. I would consider them stones, solid stones that stand next to me. I could say the same thing about plenty of people in this church, that I'm in the right place and I have the right support around me in the right place, lifting me up. That's what it looks like to serve each other and to help each other. This is the real world. We come here once a month, everyone's smiling, it looks great. The rest of the month, sometimes things happen. Sometimes we take a beating. It's a fact. But who do you have around you to make sure you're not moved and you're in the right place? Yes, Jesus is a firm foundation. But on that firm foundation, there's Pastor Matt Beamer. There's Pastor Matt Hadabo. There's Roy, there's Melissa, there's Ciela. There's tons of you here for me. Do you have that? Are you in that position where you know you're supposed to be? I mean, I'm honored to say that it's not only the fact that I have a position where people are lifting me up, but thank God that I'm now in a position where I can have others, other stones above me, where I'm able to help others come into their place and their position. So I'm going to close with that today, but I had a couple of questions for you to think about. I have three questions actually for you to think about specifically. You don't have to answer me, but I'd like for you to answer Jesus, okay? Question number one, and be honest. When you arrived today, were you thinking twice about being here? When you arrived today, did you think, what am I going to get out of this 
What am I going to get out of this service? Hopefully, the, the, the guy preaching is not too boring. Hopefully, worship, you know, it's the songs I like. Hopefully, this isn't too long. Were you thinking about what you were going to get, or were you thinking about how you could serve your brothers and sisters here today? Were you thinking about the people sitting around you? How could I demonstrate the love of Jesus to them today? How could I help them and empower them and strengthen them to come into a position that they're supposed to be in? That's question number one. Ooh. Question number two. When you leave today, today, tomorrow, your whole week, the rest of the year, next year, do you ever ask yourself, what am I going to get out of my day? You know, I need to get this done. I need to make this money. I need to go to work. I need to make sure I run these errands. Or do you think about what people see in you? You know, when Jesus was talking to his disciples in John 14, he says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We always think that's Jesus talking. No, that's, that should be us talking. That should be us talking. Because we are now in the family of God. So when people see me, they should see the Father. Do you ask yourselves, what are people seeing when they see me? I heard this, I'm sure this comment has passed around, but I picked it up from, from, a, from a preacher who I, I very much value. And he says that, listen, some people might walk past you, and you are the only Jesus that they see. They may never hear this message other than through you. And I don't only mean with the things you say. I don't only mean prepare an elevator speech or an elevator sermon. What I mean is what do people see when they see you? Do they, do they see a person full of love, ready to serve, caring, someone different from the world, someone who doesn't complain about what's happening on the news or what's happening with the economy or what's happening with the rate of the lira, but someone who's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I have someone taking care of me. I'm in a good place. I know where I'm supposed to be. This is my safe place. This is my healthy place. So that's question number two. What do people see when they see you? Question number three. When you move on and you hear this message, and I know that this is a message with a seed planted. I know that the word of God goes and it always accomplishes what it purposes. When you go about your day and you have an opportunity to serve someone, how many times do you say, I'll just do this tomorrow? I'll just do this next week. I'm not ready right now. My brain's full of stuff. I have 36 things to do. I have work. I have a whole bunch of payments. You know, the Lord's dealing with me to start tithing, to put in an offering, to be generous towards someone. Next month. I'll do this in two months. Oh, well, the Lord's dealing with me to start paying my taxes right, get things in order. But what's going on? You, you want me to pay taxes in Lebanon to a failing government? I'll just do that in a few months if things pick up. How many of us are guilty of little things like that in our days? That the things that we can do today, we push till tomorrow. Let me tell you something. The only day you have is today. 
Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not here. Next month is not here. The only day you have to do something is today. So what are you doing today? When you have your opportunities to serve, to love one another today, what are you doing? I want you to think about those things and answer him. I know there was a lot in this message. I know that, you know, there, there is a lot of things to think about. But I hope that this blessed you this morning and that you leave with something you didn't come with today. Amen. Pastor Matt.